0: Conductive wire. And you so electric I no say when you came so near and just right through me hey everyone. welcome to Geekdom is back. We have taken a break from the superhero discussions as of late, you know we've had a lot of Marvel episodes and Shazam, but now Mirjani Rawls returns to talk about Jordan Peele's Us, which is a horror movie and if you have not seen it yet please pause this and go do so because we are going to spoil everything
1: (laughs) everything every single thing
0: (laughs) as much as we can at least and this is something that I was debating on seeing a second time before doing this but that did not happen I think it's one of those things where with Jordan Peele his movies kind of lend themselves to more than one watch because you'll pick up on things that you necessarily didn't pick up on the first time unless you were paying extremely close attention to everything in the frame at any given moment. But I'm just really loving what he's been doing lately. I don't think I like this quite as much as Get Out, but it was still very high As far as my enjoyment level,
1: yeah, I saw it that Thursday opening weekend. Uh, I saw it in a in the Dolby theater. Usually with horror movies, like I saw The Nun there and whatnot. Like I kind of wanted to like get the whole experience, like big screen and you know uh, surround sound speakers and whatnot, just so I don't miss anything. Especially like with horror, like you want to hear like every little thing to kind of see what's coming. So I saw it then, and then. After it was over, I was like, okay, and especially with the ending, I was like, okay, I got to go see this again, because I started, like, when I was walking back to my car, I started realizing things. I'm like, okay, I didn't pick up on this at first. Yeah. But of course, like, it showed itself, and it was, a lot of it was kind of in plain sight. So I was like, oh, man, like, so I think that Saturday, I went to go see it again. And, I mean, I talked to some of my friends about it, and it's not as straightforward as get out like it's definitely i don't know i felt like get out while had a more of a like a, I guess a social premise and what like us is definitely a, a lot more layered Us definitely has there's definitely a message in there but like there's i don't know it's kind of like a message within a message and there's a lot to take in and it's a lot for people to kind of like digest especially if you've only seen it once like i this is one of the movies where i suggest everybody to kind of see at least like at least have two sittings in it to kind of get everything that Jordan Peele kind of puts in and and what he's trying to say.
0: As soon as it ended for me, it was like hindsight is 2020. You know, once you know the end result, you start going back and being like, oh, okay, I see how this was sort of being pieced together throughout the movie, even if you didn't pick up on it. In the moment. And that's what makes his movies so interesting to me. And whether or not this exists within the same get out universe, that's a discussion that is being had by many fans. So that is something that I think, because the movies don't tie directly together, it is possible, but I don't know if we necessarily need it. And, you know, why don't we go ahead and talk about the casting? in this because Jordan Peele is really great at just putting together these characters that you can just dive so deep into. And then the actors who play them, at least for you know, Get Out and Us, have been fantastic. So you have Lupita Nyong'o, Winston Duke, Elizabeth Moss, Tim Heidecker, Shahadi Wright-Joseph, Evan Alex, and then you have some brief appearances from Yahya Abdul-Mateen II and Anna Diop. Hopefully I pronounced those names correctly. Chances are I probably didn't, though. And, you know, those are sort of the names that some people might be familiar with for one reason or another, with the exception of the kids. You know, they're relatively new to the scene, I believe. And I thought everyone just did such a great job with the roles that they were given in this.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely, because, I mean, Lupia, if she doesn't get some type of Oscar consideration for this, I would be just as mad as I was with Hereditary, especially because of, like it seems like the Oscar kind of overlook, you know, they still look at horror as, like, this lowbrow genre, and it's been, especially with, you know, recent years, it's been evolving into, like, you know, social, economic things, and then, like, these really... Big layered stories, and I think that she really hit it out of the park for me. Winston Duke as Gabriel, he definitely brings kind of like more the comedic flavor to it as kind of like the you know like this nerdy dad and whatnot. Like that was pretty cool. Uh, You know the kids like Shahadi with who's being who's Zora and you know Evan Alex and Jason, they were great too. Elizabeth Moss, you know, with the small screen time that she had, I thought that was especially with her tethered self. Uh, I thought that was awesome. Uh, Josh Tyler was funny. Uh, Like, the cast isn't big, and I don't think that you really needed it to be, but everybody kind of really fit their role well, and especially with horror, like, you don't see, like, a black family usually at the center of these movies, and it was kind of like a breath of fresh air to kind of see that, like, come into play, and, yeah, I I was really impressed with the acting. That was one of the things that really stuck out to me in the movie.
0: Yeah, I totally agree with all of that. I just felt like these were the right people to be playing these characters and in the latter half of the movie you have them playing two characters, you know. So you have this push and pull between each side and to have these actors tackle that and have the characters be so drastically different. It was just something that completely blew my mind, especially once later, we find out that it's not just the one family that has the tethers, as they call them. So, you know, we'll just go ahead and spoil the story at this point now, because I really just love how clever Jordan Peele is willing to get with these stories that he's telling. And this is absolutely a horror movie, but it's not the kind of horror movie that is necessarily trying to get you jumping out of your seat. It's something that's more subtle than that.
1: It's more unsettling. Like there's...
0: Yes, that too. <laughs> the,
1: yeah, it's, the, it's more unsettling. There, there's definitely gory parts. Uh, it's definitely gorier than... I mean, Get Out gets gory. But this one gets, there's a raw and a, a visceralness to it, especially with the tethered and how they kill their, just so like their counterparts, like they are very vicious and there's something very, like, very, like, like cro magnum man to them. Like it's, they're stripped of, you know, what their emotion is. They're stripped of any kind of, you know, resonance and they just, there's just this one purpose for them. And I really like that. Uh, I think somebody like I read somewhere where uh, the tether kind of resembled the Morlocks from the time machine from, from HD walls, which was, which was pretty cool. Um, yeah. I sitting back from this, like, I felt, I don't know if I felt sorry for them. Well, I kind of did in the scheme of things that, you know, they're down in this, I don't even want to call it a basement, kind of like this compound underground and, you know, they show at the end of it, the end of the movie where everybody's kind of living above ground um, and they're like playing the games and they're playing below ground, but there's no, like they don't, they don't win anything. Everybody's just walking around the compound. So even though they're, they eventually get out and do these terrible things. Like you feel, you kind of feel like some, like, like a resident, like a sadness to it, which Jordan Peele kind of plays upon really, really well. Like, especially with adelaide and red red is trying is doing what she feels is right and we find out you know that she's the real person at the end but you know with the crusade that she goes on onto like there's like a purpose to it and then when you find out the twist you're like oh wow like you know Adelaide kind of stole her life. You know what I mean. So yeah, I found myself kind of conflicted on who I thought was right, and who I thought was wrong, who who's the real villain here. And Jordan Peele really does that well, where he gets that conflict and you stirred up.
0: Yeah, it's just amazing what he does, especially in this movie because the two different worlds too. It's just so. Drastically different. You know, they're heading to the beach, which anyone who has gone to beaches that have, you know, piers set up with rides and everything, they're typically pretty bright places, unless, you know, it happens to be not sunny out, which given that this takes place in California, those days are few and far between. And the other underworld basically is just so dark and drab. And to have All of the people wearing the same thing because of Adelaide or Red, whichever one you want to call her, (laughs) because as (laughs) we will get to soon, there is something going on with that. And it's just such a stark difference that you can't help but be drawn to it, especially when you get to spend more time down there, too.
1: Yeah, there's something that Jordan Peele does with mirrors, uh, especially the scene where the tethered family. Well, they meet the Wilson family for the first time, and they're all in the in the living room, and Adelaide and Red are kind of like laying on the coffee table, and it breaks, and like you see her reflection there. And then even before then, when Adelaide is telling uh, Gabriel about like her fear and what happened, and her speaking into like the mirror, and you see you see kind of like this mirror image. There's a lot of things. And play, play in plain sight that played to this duality which I loved like I really loved it and it it's it's funny because Jordan Peel works on the Twilight Zone like he's basically like the Rod he's producer and I felt like this story kind of was reminiscent not only reminiscent of that but a lot of Hitchcock movies which you know like there's this like unraveling mystery and it kind of makes you Like, hold your breath until the end. Like, a lot of this movie is beautifully shot, especially the scene where the elevator, like, when uh, uh, Adelaide is going down to the elevator and having that final fight with Red, I thought that was beautifully shot. It reminded me of The Shining a lot, and I don't know if you picked up on it, but, like, I was talking to somebody, and they said, as you go through the movie, uh, Adelaide's shirt becomes more red and red. Because of all the blood, and I didn't pick up on that one first. I'm like, oh, that's a good catch because, you know, she's, it's almost kind of an unmasking of who she really is. She's really the tethered. So it's just little things like that all over the movie where I can kind of see if where people got frustrated with it. But I just love the beauty because I don't like, especially with my horror movies, I don't really like things spelled out to me or spelled out for me, as I should say.
0: Yeah, that doesn't make it any fun with this, you're really just along for the ride. And like I said, you know, with this for me, it was like, oh, hindsight is twenty twenty, because you can then, you know, go back in your head and be like, oh, okay, I see what he was doing there now. But at the time, some of those things could just slip by you. And I really like horror movies that aren't just wanting to be another Halloween or Friday the 13th. And even though some of those movies are great horror movies to watch and they have these huge cult followings and everything, these are just a little more intricate in how they're done or a lot more intricate in Jordan Peele's case.
1: Yeah, these type of movies are a lot more cerebral. Like like what you mentioned, like slasher movies are cool, you know what I mean? Like, especially... You know, like the the ones back then, like you know, Friday the Thirteenth, Nightmare on Elm Street, like those time. But I, I feel like in horror, we're coming in a period where a lot of a lot of them, like they were still re, retain the horror themes, but they have a lot more to say, especially in independent horror. Now I see like like the Blumhouses and you know people like Jordan Peele or Anne Asher, uh, Ari Asher, you know, who did you know hereditary whatnot like they're doing it's not only these you know i look around the corner and you know there's a, a ghost there you know it's not those shop it's more of an uneasy dread feeling that follows you throughout the movie now you know what i mean like it doesn't make you doesn't want you to make it to feel comfortable at any point and i feel that's what us does kind of like the best um you're seeing all this imagery, especially when uh, you go to the Tyler's house and they, you know, the the tether that tether family comes and just kills them brutally. Stuff like that is happening in the movie. But then, like, your other brain is trying to figure out, like, what the fuck is going on? Like, why? Like, why is this like this? Why do they keep showing the flashback of young Adelaide going into, like. Uh, the mirror house, which I which I also picked up on, uh, the Bible verse Jeremiah like 11, 11 you know 11, 11 is like mirror images of each other, and plus you know it's an Old Testament uh, verse, which I mean if you've read the whole Old Testament, it's very vengeful and and you know things of that nature. So it's like two have the two parts of your brain at work, which. I really enjoyed and which I why I saw the movie a second and even a third time.
0: Yeah, I'm really hoping I do get to experience this in the theater again, just because you sort of need a ginormous screen in front of your face just to sort of try to pick apart everything that's there. Otherwise, you're probably going to be pausing it at home and like walking up to your TV to try and see things (laughs) or something like that. But I want to talk about the juxtaposition of the Wilson and Tyler families, because not only are they different races, but there's sort of this competition going on between them. And I wouldn't say it's unfriendly competition necessarily. It's clear that they've known each other for a while. And it's one of those things where the kids are like, oh, this family, you know, we hang out with them because we're supposed to. But we don't really care to you know hang out with their kids (laughs) so you could tell that Zora and Jason are just like okay here we go and Jason's a lot younger than the three girls so you know he's seen as the weird one and you get so much of the family dynamics just from that beach scene alone I think
1: oh yeah and i feel that like in a microcosm that plays kind of like the movie um obviously like the wilson's are they're pretty they're they're doing all right like they're able to you know go vacation at a nice house uh <laughs> gabe gets like a boat even though it's not the greatest boat like he has a boat um like they're able to have like a, a pretty good living but then you have the tyler who you know Josh talked. There's the talk with Gabe and Josh about, you know, their boats and like how Josh, like the tires are bigger. And then Kitty is talking to Adelaide and she's talking about, you know, plastic surgery and whatnot. Like, obviously, like and then the daughters who are, you know, jerks to uh, Jason. So there's obviously like there there's obviously kind of like a divide there. But I feel that. Especially with Kitty and her tether character, I think Dahlia. Yeah, there's something interesting that happens when you know Dahlia kills Kitty, and then she kind of kidnaps Adelaide. Uh, and Elizabeth Moss does this r- really well. Like she like puts makeup on and tries to like like make herself look pretty. To kind of place to like her tethered self, and then she like cuts herself, and then she like screams. She tries to scream, and there's no sound that comes out. And then she kind of laughs, which is kind of like, the, I thought it was kind of like joker It was pretty cool. When that happened, I felt like, all right, well, the tethered self or whatever the tethered people are, are kind of like the opposite of what the personalities are. So like, you know, Kitty lived in access, Ex- 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 but like Dahlia kind of plays around with it. And in a bigger instance, the tethered are kind of like the forgotten. You know what I mean? Like they've been living they've been like these government experiments that they've been forgotten about and they've been living in the basement, eating rabbits for how long? And then everybody else, you know, their other selves are living underground, like kind of like, you know, living well, living in excess. And then, you know, this happens with the whole hands across America thing as like protests to show that, you know, they're here and, you know, they're, they want to live above ground too. So, I love how like all, you know, that family dynamic and that, that all that tied in together into the bigger story.
0: Am I the only one who is wondering where they got all of those rabbits? Did they just like find a handful of rabbits and keep breeding them or what here? Because, you know, I don't know how many rabbits are in Santa Cruz.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you live in California, so you would know more than I would. But that was the same. That's kind of like the same train of thought that I had. I'm like, did they keep? Did somebody keep breeding them and putting them down putting them down there like
0: or were they surfacing long enough to find a bunch of rabbits and then they would return to their underworld there because I get that down there they don't have as nice of things, but they still have things. They're just kind of creepy looking things all the time and it's like, okay, rabbit cages don't just appear. You know, and that was a lot of rabbit cages. And this is obviously nitpicking. It's it does not matter in the grand scheme of things, but it's something that I was just curious about. I was like, wow, that's a lot of rabbits. And then when you find out where those rabbits all are, you're like, huh, okay. That is understandable, but weird and inexplicable, basically.
1: I did read things on Slash Film and whatnot, like they thought that it was a metaphor. Because there's because you know how the movie opens up and it says there's an underground network of tunnels. So what they thought the rabbits were other than a food source, like they they couldn't eat otherwise. You know how like you say uh, you're going down the rabbit hole. So the rabbits, maybe they're an endless supply because there's an, an endless network of tunnels kind of. So like they're just kind of like a metaphor of this network, this underground network where, you know, apparently there were endless supplies, you know, there was like endless supplies of tethered or like everybody had a clone. So maybe that could, that's what they signify.
0: Yeah, for sure. That is definitely a possibility. And I haven't had a chance to read up on all of the articles that came out surrounding this movie, just because I have been knee deep in Stephen King books and (laughs) haven't really made time to read much else. I think the articles in my pocket account are piling up. I'm back over like a hundred and forty articles saved or something like that. So I'm sure there are quite a few from this movie in there. But at the same time I kind of like talking about this movie without knowing what everyone else has said about it or what has come out as far as, oh, let's explain this for you. Because I kind of don't want it explained for me because I think most filmmakers, while they have a specific interpretation of something, I feel like some want the audience to interpret things their own way and not necessarily shoehorn them into, hey, this is what happened. And this is the only thing, this is the only way you can interpret it.
1: Yeah. When I wrote my review for the movie, like usually when I write reviews, like I see a movie and I don't read anything else until it's done and published because like, I kind of want to just kind of like get what I was thinking and whatnot. And with us, I immediately, the Bible verse came, you know, I'm like, why is this Bible? Like, well, what's going on with this Bible verse? And then I looked it up and I was like, Oh shit. And then I kind of like brought up, you know, kind of like the religious imagery. Like it's to me at first, it was more of like, reds quest for revenge for like a stolen life you know you know what i mean but then like i started like writing down kind of like what i saw and like what stuck out to me as far as imagery and like specific scenes and specific ways that things were shot and i mean it's endless possibilities that's the thing with uh, this movie like you can interpret it kind of almost any way you want there's Jordan Peele basically made a choose your own adventure book in a horror movie because it's just I feel like every time that you've seen it, you will see it. You can pick up something like something different from it. I mean, one thing that I didn't I don't that I didn't kind of like find out. I'm like, where the hell did everybody get those jumpsuits and scissors from? Like, well, how did everybody get a pair of each? Like, who made those? So, I,
0: you
1: know, yeah, I'm still trying to figure that out if anybody has a, an answer for that. Or...
0: <laughs> they have to be somewhat resourceful in order for there to be so many of them and for all of them to still be alive and functioning, even though it seems like they don't have access to things like medicine or anything like that. If everyone does have a tether, that's definitely something that is interesting to think about and... I like how you mentioned the choose-your-own-adventure because what Jordan Peele does at the end of this movie is he just leaves you with your own thoughts on what happens after the movie ends. It is a definitive ending in a sense, but at the same time, it's so open-ended that your head just sort of runs rampant with, oh boy, what's going to happen? Is everyone else going to find out? And I guess we should just jump right in and talk about the twist. Because when Adelaide was a kid, she goes into the mirror house, and we see her come out, but it turns out it's not her, it's actually her tether, and we see the tether later in a therapy office, and she's not speaking, and it's because the tethers don't speak, which explains why Red is the only one who can speak out of the tethers, You know, everyone else sort of just grunts and makes noises, but she can speak because she learned how to speak as Adelaide, as a child. And so she became their voice. And it's just so interesting to me how he was able to show you basically that Adelaide goes into this mirror house, but doesn't really tell you what happens. We know she sees something or someone, but then it cuts and you don't get that moment until nearly the end of the movie
1: see i've seen almost every m night Shyamalan movie so i should have picked up on that anytime that a horror movie shows you the scene same scene over and over again that is something that you should key in on and i didn't and especially because when young adelaide or you know yeah young adelaide is in like the therapy session with her father and, and her mother and father, I just assumed that she couldn't speak or she was traumatized. You know, obviously, yeah. like if you go into a damn fun house and you see a clone of yourself, it would be, you'd be like scared to death. So like maybe there was a time frame where, you know, especially, you know, Adelaide telling the story, it was like, oh, she was, she just scared until she, you know, wanted to talk again.
0: Which is reasonable given how young she was. And because we didn't know what she saw, you know, she could have seen a dead body or, you know, a million possibilities of what she could have seen in that moment. And you don't think it's going to be a clone necessarily. And then as we go on and you see more and more of the tethers, you start realizing oh, hey, okay, this is the guy she passed. On the boardwalk, and he appears again with the 1111 in his forehead. And you sort of just keep picking up on these little things as we go, because I believe she sees that guy in an ambulance or coming out of an ambulance as they're on their way to the house. Yeah. You know, and that suddenly triggers this. But then you don't think there's also going to be a tether because they've sort of already seemingly wrap that storyline up like oh hey here's the dude she saw on the pier all those years ago he's still in the area and clearly things haven't gone so well for him
1: yeah that's what i love about the movie because you could really if you wanted to you could kind of close it down and look at it between a adelaide and red story that if, if you just wanted to just look at it that way oh yeah like, that could that's all it could be for you and everybody's just a supporting character though there that scene where the ballet. That was beautiful. Like and it was yeah. It was another tip off of like, you know, uh not with Adelaide and, and Red doing the ballet and then on the, you know, underground she's doing it. And we've seen the tethered kind of like them just watch and then when she's done, they're all reaching out to her and you're they're like, you know, Red is like the chosen one or whatnot. And then in the final scene, it's kind of like it's choreographed. <laughs> like Adelaide will try to like cut red and then red will know what the hell she's doing and then she'll like go out the way and it was just awesome just amazing yeah that was that was probably my favorite part of the movie like you know with the score and uh you know um Michael Bells who he did get out and he does like kind of like the orchestral version of um, I got five on it mm-hmm. and it plays there and I'm like oh, man like this is just Beautiful, like it's like a dance. So yeah, like if I loved it from that point of perspective. Like if you did like a, a cut of just, you know, them two, that's another movie too.
0: What he does so well is he takes this huge story, but just focuses in on one small aspect of it. So you get this intensely personal story that still takes place in the bigger scheme of things, you know, you have the little news clips to let you know just how global this thing is and how massive it is. And this is all happening while you're focused on this one family in particular. And I think the Tyler's just happen to be collateral damage, even though the scene at their house is so great too, and Elizabeth Moss is just creepy on so many levels as her tether. It's fantastic. And for the Wilson family, it's one of those things where they are in complete survival mode. And it's interesting to me that at the end, or even throughout the whole movie, you know, Lupita's character, Adelaide, who is really red, and red is really Adelaide. So I it it's it gets a little confusing. But the one who is basically been Adelaide for all these years now, She really shows a lot of emotion, and even though she seems detached, I think because she just has this fear, you never really question that she's not Adelaide until they show us that she's not.
1: Oh yeah, I thought especially with the scene where they are in the when they meet for the first time, and like Adelaide's, I didn't pick up on this until like again, picked up this until the end. Adelaide and Red meet. Well, again, then you find out like Adelaide is really scared because Adelaide knows something Adelaide and, and Red both know something that the audience isn't on yet. That like, Adelaide is like, oh, uh, oh, no, she's coming for me because I stole life from her. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I'm really her. And now, like, my reckoning is coming because, you know, I wanted to be above ground and I took, you know, I took her spot even from the final fight. It's it's another little thing like how Adelaide uh, kills Red and then she lets out the screen. I'm like, ooh, well that's kind of I'm like that's kind of like you know very like primal that she did that. Yeah. And so I'm like, so I was like, all right, well you know maybe she's just happy that she finally got this big thing off her off her back and now that she can go enjoy her family. But no, it's because you know the inner. I guess, tethered within her was kind of just showing at that moment.
0: Yeah, it's like she reverted back to her old self for a moment. And to me, it's like, okay, the tethered seem, I wouldn't say detached, but you get this sense that they have a different kind of bond. And I think it's interesting that Adelaide clearly cares for her family, but she's overprotective in a way that seems a little weird. You think she would feel free having been able to leave the underground, basically.
1: There, was, It was interesting to me, especially with the scenes with uh, Umbre and Pluto. Remember Umbre was dying in the tree and she could have just finished her off and then she's like, shush, shush, shush. And then right. Pluto bats himself into the fire and she's like, no, no, no. I'm like, wow. I'm like, you're... You really care about this family for some reason. And it's because that was her original family.
0: But in a sense, the kids weren't because she was a kid. Yeah. So there is that because it's not like, you know, she had the kids and then switched places. You know, she was a kid when she switched places. So I get what you're saying, but at the same time, you're like, but would she really care about them? It's it's one of those things where, again, it leaves it open to interpretation. It's like, was she just doing this because she cares for kids in general and because they look exactly like her kids? Or is it something deeper that she still has this connection, even though those two specifically aren't her biological children necessarily?
1: Yeah, that's what I, you, you do bring up a good point. Like, you know, you... uh. You know, she didn't necessarily have them, but, like, at the same time, like, I thought, like, okay, like, does she does she still kind of have a bond to the tether, even though she's been away for so long? Yeah. Yeah.
0: So many questions, and I don't know how many answers know, we're ever going to get.
1: Think, <laughs> especially when, I'm like, when the hell did Jason realize that, you know, his mom is actually the tether? Like, what was, when was the...
0: I think it was the scream maybe, if he heard that. I can't recall if he heard that, but it's like he just had this gut feeling all of a sudden, and they share this little moment at the end, and you can tell that she does care for them. So in a sense, it's almost like, would it really matter to him that she used to be one of the tethered? basically? I mean, I guess he, he wouldn't trust her, that that sounds reasonable that he wouldn't really trust her knowing that she used to be one of them.
1: Well, he definitely doesn't say he doesn't say anything. So uh, you know, maybe he just kinda goes on about his business and just like, all right, well, you know, but like you said, like it's one of those things that is just kind of left open ended where I know a lot of people are like clamoring for like some people were clamoring for like a sequel and stuff like that. I don't think we kinda need one. I think we just I think I would be okay if Jordan Peele kind of just like ended this story as the story. Like, I mean, then again, who the hell am I to say, you know, what Jordan Peele shouldn't and shouldn't do. I mean, this movie was made from a $20 million budget and made 237 million. So it's
0: gangbusters.
1: (laughs) So it's whatever he wants to do, but I kind of like that. Like it's, we're sitting here and kinda of guessing, all right, what happened? Like what do you think what happened? Like does Jason say anything? Do they kinda of go, you know, life goes on? Like what happens to the tethered now that like, you know, they have,
0: have surfaced? This hand... <laughs>
1: yeah. Not only has surfaced, but like they have like this like hands across America thing where they've joined hands, it looked like maybe like across the country, whatnot. So what happens to the regular humans?
0: And is everyone else dead? too that's another thing they seem to be the only ones who are alive in that immediate vicinity at the end of this and it's like okay were any other families able to survive it i have to imagine some would have you know they can't be the only ones who were smart enough to outsmart their tethers
1: yeah it's kind of like the uh, remember, like a quiet place where like yeah they hint at other families but with they're, the lights they're only, yeah yeah with the lights but they're only telling one story you have to kind of figure that like
0: there That's was the case
1: yeah there was another family that were able to best their tethers, and they're kind of out like the Wilsons trying to find refuge I guess because you know what I mean like the tethers are are, are above ground and yeah they are <laughs> many
0: yeah this movie is one that makes me wonder if there's like horror fan fiction out there, because I know that's a huge thing with the comics, the comic book movies, and I guess anime, manga, and other things like that. But I would be interested in reading a bunch of fan theories on what happens after this movie, honestly. And we've clearly touched on it a little bit, but I don't necessarily think we need a sequel to this, though. Because it was just so good as it is. It's like, you know, we didn't need a sequel for Get Out. You easily could have done one given what that family had done or it could have been like a prequel and you see other people going through this. But that movie accomplished everything it wanted to accomplish. And I feel the same way with Us.
1: Oh, yeah. I I think that the mystery in Us is kind of like the fun in it. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't... It also, like, kind of goes back to our early points of, like, not having everything kind of, like, wrapped up neatly. That's kind of, with, like, these horror movies that are coming out, like, that's the mystery is kind of the fun thing. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I walked out of Hereditary, like, okay, what the fuck just happened? And, you know, kind of, like, went back and, like, parsed through things, but there's still things that are left open-ended. And it's the same thing with us. Like, like you said, like, if you wanted to write a short story, or like do a comic about like what happens afterwards, like it definitely leaves space to do that. But I think in a theatrical form, this was perfect. I think this is what we needed to do. Like we got the story here. And I think that's where like everybody should kind of leave it. Well, at least I hope.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, do you have any final thoughts on this? I know we probably only scratched the surface we did spoil everything though in a sense so (laughs) you know except for some you know small details i really do think winston duke had a lot of the comedic relief in this which was very enjoyable like when he gets the bat out and and confronts the family in the driveway that's just such a great moment and when he's like trying to seduce Adelaide on the bed, but the bed is like too small and rickety and he like barely fits on it. There are some lighter moments in this to break up a lot of the tension that you see. But any final thoughts on this?
1: I'm eagerly anticipating what Jordan Peele does next.
0: Same. You know,
1: I'm watching Twilight Zone. Uh, I know he's doing uh, like an HBO show called Lovecraft Country. I have no idea when it's coming out.
0: Yeah, I I remember hearing about that. I haven't checked out Twilight Zone because I don't really want to pay for CBS Hall Access just for one (laughs) show, but we'll see.
1: (laughs) Yeah, he has Lovecraft Country. From what I understand, there's no uh, release date for it yet, but I'm eagerly anticipating that. And I am... I mean, I'm ready for... I'm ready to see what he can do. He's putting his personal touch on horror and it's so inventive and so original it feels like it's just kind of like a breath of fresh air especially with you know you have you have a plethora of original horror movies which is which really dope like they're but then you have you know you you have your conjuring universes where you know you're gonna have like a you know annabelle comes home that's like the third annabelle movie whatnot and it's just cool to see in a theater which, which are, like, universe-based or sequels-based. It's cool to see original, you know, ideas and stories and the fact that they are making money and people are going to go see them, which is awesome, too.
0: Yeah, I really like the idea of these one-off movies that don't necessarily feel the need to become these giant universes. You know, you have Get Out Us, Hereditary. You have a lot of great horror that's being made, and... Don't get me wrong, you know I love my Stephen King adaptations and all, but there are a lot, and there are a lot lot, that did not need to happen necessarily, and like you said, there are a lot coming. So you have these properties that, while not every single Stephen King movie might connect to everything else in the universe, a lot of them have these little connections, these little nods to the Stephen King universe as a whole, because he's been able to just build that up so much. And I think Jordan Peele might be able to do something similar with his movies if he wanted to where you make little nods to these things that happened in Get Out or Us, but they don't necessarily hinge on a movie before or after.
1: Yeah, I think that's where I mean like I love I love The Conjuring. You know what I mean? I love that you know there's this kind of like there's like this horror universe. But It's starting to kind of take a downturn because, you know, like, it's just, it's kind of like when, uh, like, remember Saw? Like, there were seven Saw movies and then, like...
0: I actually haven't seen any, but I think I have the first two.
1: (laughs) Oh, wow. Um, Yeah, there were seven Saw movies and then there was, like, a continuation with Jigsaw, which was... Yeah. Kind of like a mess that was trying to, like, tie (laughs) John in and he's been dead for you know, four movies and whatnot. Like I, you know, sometimes it's cool to just have like these one-off movies where you have a story it's contained. Uh, You know, like you said, Jordan Peele could do like little nods here, like get out and, and also maybe future movies. But like, it was cool to just sit in a movie where I didn't have any real idea what it's about. Yeah. Like kind of like Annabelle, like if you go on Annabelle, okay, there's a creepy doll and, you know, you know, possession and stuff like that, you kind of know what the basis is. I had no idea, you know what I mean? I stayed, other than watching like the two trailers, I stayed away from everything. I had no idea what us really entailed. And that was really fun for me.
0: Yeah, for sure. And it's one of those things where this movie did so much better than I think a lot of people anticipated because you have a rated R horror movie coming out. And sometimes that's a hard sell you know when it's not tied to this big universe
1: well i think that especially with get out like jordan peele kind of commanded enough audience and how well it was done that people were very
0: receptive to this one
1: yeah they they were really receptive but the fact that there was so much mystery in it like like what the hell is us about like is this another like Political thing, like is this like what is what are these like clones? Like you know, lupia's playing, you know, two characters or whatnot. Like there were there were definitely like good questions about it, and that brought a lot of people to the movie there. And, and it was like a, just the bigger plus that it was just a really good movie. So
0: yeah, I agree, and I'm sure by the time I go to edit this, I'll be like, dang it, we didn't talk about this or this, <laughs> and you know.
1: I feel yeah, I feel like that. You know what I mean? Like with a movie hard. like this, it's <laughs> hard you know, like, about for two or three hours about it. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, for sure. But I don't know if our listeners would want to listen to (laughs) to us for two or three hours. And, you know, hopefully some of them have checked out our Avengers Endgame episode, which will probably be longer than usual.
1: (laughs) Well, it's a three-hour movie. So, yeah, it's going to be a lot to get into. It's a damn... Summary of 22 movies before, so...
0: (laughs) Yes, and we are recording this before the movie is even out, and this is coming out after that episode, so it's a little confusing. (laughs) But such is my podcasting schedule. Always confusing trying to figure out what I'm talking about when. And MJ, I am very glad that you came on to talk about this one. I have really just been diving into horror a lot. So to take a break from Stephen King horror and watch things like hereditary or us. It's just a nice little break without necessarily taking a break from the genre.
1: Yeah, I mean, we just saw a Stephen King movie what, last week, so Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, thank you again, and to our listeners, you can find us at Geekdom Pod on Twitter, Welcome to Geekdom on Instagram, and Welcome to Geekdom on Facebook. It would be great if you could subscribe and rate us on iTunes. That helps Push up the podcast in the rankings and everything like that. And as always, thank you all for listening. And we hope you enjoy the rest of your day.
1: Talk to you guys soon.